I always find myself thinking about Palestine more at this time of year, remembering the year that I spent in Beit Sahur, this town where the shepherds keep watch by night alongside our companions in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Jordan and the Holy Land as a part of the ELCA's Young Adults in Global Mission program. What I'm about to share today is a piece of something that I wrote in the fall of that 2018-2019 year, which I want to share with you. It was a Thursday, and a few members of our cohort had gathered alongside many international visitors, local leaders, and religious folks at the Tent of Nations, a 100-acre farm just outside Bethlehem, owned by the Nassar family, a Palestinian Lutheran family. That night, the family received the 2017 World Methodist Peace Award, honoring their creativity, consistency, and courage in peacemaking and nonviolent resistance. A few words about the Nassar family farm. This 100-acre farm is lush with the fruits of the earth. Olives, apricots, figs, wheat, grapes, and it's also a center for community empowerment and growth. It has been in the Nassar family for more than 100 years. But for the last 30, it has been the target of continual attempts by the Israeli state to confiscate the land. It is also completely surrounded by the Gush Etzion settlement block, which is illegal under the Geneva Convention and other international laws. Despite near-constant attacks, the Nassar family is guided by their faith and three clear principles. They refuse to flee. They refuse to hate. They refuse to be enemies. At one point that evening, Archbishop Emeritus Elias Shapur of the Melkite Greek Catholic Church and three-time nominee for the Nobel Peace Prize stood to speak at the podium. Framed both by the glorious beauty of the terraced land and the looming settlements, complete with a tall gun tower bedecked with a massive Israeli flag, Archbishop Shakur began to speak in a quiet voice. Abuna shared the experience, his experiences as a young man, dispossessed of his land and his identity, forced to flee from his home as a refugee. Near the end of his speech, Archbishop Shakur looked towards the internationals in the crowd. Are any of you American, he asked. A number of us raised our hands. Oh good, he exclaimed. I love Americans. I have visited America and you are some of the kindest, most beautiful people in the world. There was a chuckle, a brief pause. But, he continued, but I do not see this beauty in your foreign policy. I do not see this kindness reflected in your leaders. This time our pause was more subdued. So I sat there, the weight of my American power and privilege and all its oft-ugly history heavy on my shoulders. What can I possibly do amid all this fraught history, I remember thinking. Do not be silent, Abuna Shakur said, as though he could hear my question. 
Listen to the stories we tell you. Come and see what the Palestinian experience is. Tell these stories you hear to others. Tell the truth. Do not stop speaking. When I was a young man, I could yell against injustice. Now I cannot. Speak out and tell the people what is happening here. I'll admit that I've really struggled with how to share these stories that have been shared with me. I do not always feel qualified to speak, and perhaps I never will. I am still learning how to hold these stories sacred, how to sit shoulder to shoulder in solidarity with our companions. But I also have Abuna Elias' Shakur's words ringing in my ears. Do not be silent. Psalm of David. Here's what Israel should say. Suppose the Lord had not been on our side when our enemies attacked us. Suppose he had not been on our side when their burning anger blazed out against us. Then they would have swallowed us alive. They would have been like a flood that drowned us. They would have swept over us like a rushing river. They would have washed us away like a swollen stream. Good morning. Um, I wanted to thank Miriam for this opportunity to share a little bit about my time in Palestine as well. I also served with the ELCA's Young, Adult, Young Adults and Global Mission Program. Um, the year after Hannah, I was there with Megan. And I served in two different areas of the West Bank. So our program is Jerusalem and the West Bank, and I was in the Palestinian territory of the West Bank. I first served in the city of Ramallah, which Palestinians lovingly refer to as their New York City, even though I would say it's not much like New York City. And then I also served in a small village called Beit Jala, which was just outside of Bethlehem. Um, and similar to what Hannah was sharing, this time of year always makes me think more about my time in Palestine because people are referring to this holy city of Bethlehem and that means something very different for me than what I think it means just what, what it meant for me before I, my time in Palestine and hearing about this little town of Bethlehem. Um, and when we were there, we learned a lot about this concept of living stones versus ancient stones. The idea being that there are a lot of ancient stones in Palestine, that there are these holy sites that have been there for years and years and that mean a lot to these holy people. Um, and yet there are also living stones, and these living stones are the people that are there today and that are living under occupation, that are going through injustice, and that need to be accompanied. And that's kind of, that was what the purpose of the Young Adults and Global Mission program was, and that's what I was there to do. I was there to accompany our companions in the Evangelical Church of Jordan and the Holy Land and to walk with them. And when I think about this concept of ancient stones versus living stones, I often think back to one warm spring afternoon in the city of Jericho. And since I served during the year of 2019 to 2020, I was abruptly evacuated a few, a few weeks after this afternoon. Um, so I didn't realize how sacred this afternoon would be to me and how much it would mean to me while it was happening, but it comes to be something that I think of back on very fondly. And it was just 
the first warm spring afternoon of the year. I think we all have those memories of what you do on that day. Everyone's out and celebrating. And my host family said, hey, let's go have a barbecue in Jericho. And I said, okay, great. I had been to Jericho a couple of times before, and it was a really fun place. So there was this big park area where a bunch of Palestinian families just came with a lot of food, all sorts of different meats, these big tubs of hummus, pita bread, tabbouleh, all the delicious food that you can imagine. And we just sat around a table for hours and hours, probably about seven hours there. And I just played games and spent the afternoon with my host brother and host cousins making up all these silly, goofy games um, that had no rules to them. But what was so sacred and was so holy was the time that I was spending with these people that had come to meant a lot to me. Um, that I had inside jokes with now, and I began to speak their language both literally and figuratively. And even though those relationships were pretty traumatically ripped away from me in just a couple short weeks, the time that I had in Palestine and learning about what it means to walk with these people who are under occupation and have bearing witness to that injustice has come to mean a lot to me and um, is something that I want to continue exploring in my ministry. So if you ever have the chance to visit the Holy Land, I really encourage you to. And I encourage you to think about the living stones that are there. Give praise to the Lord. He has not let our enemies chew us up. We have escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap has been broken and we have escaped. Our help comes from the Lord. He is the maker of heaven and earth. <laughs> 